Jason um, uh, has been playing Donkey Kong. We, we can we can start the podcast with this because I think what the hell are you drinking? <laughs> beer. <laughs> this is uh, I bottled beer today. Oh. And so this was good? yeah this was my test tube. Wait, I need everybody to know that I've been craving playing Donkey Kong for like months now and I didn't know that this was an option Erica yeah we got it from the library because Jason is that guy he's like I'm like an almost 30 year old man getting fucking video games from the library (laughs) that's amazing Uh, something about that is really hot to me I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I did not think you were gonna say hot yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I love that you did Uh me too (laughs) but he's been like it's really hard it's really hard to like it's a hard game (laughs) so fun what what game system are I mean on the switch the switch oh and so it's like a newer one and he has been getting so frustrated that he'll like (laughs) (laughs) wait he does what he just goes (laughs) <laughs> he flaps himself in the forehead <laughs> and I'm just like who are you <laughs> you know Wesley loves to tell the story of one time I was practicing for a presentation um like six or seven months ago oh my god no probably like a year ago anyway I um kept messing up like I couldn't figure out how I wanted to say this thing and then I just went stupid 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 and like slapped myself on the head and she the look she gave me was so funny and then we just died laughing and now we constantly like quote that and do the action because it was so dramatic (laughs) that's hilarious (sighs) it's funny because there's so many things that like develop when you're in uh, a relationship with someone there's like little nuances or little inside jokes that would be horrifying to admit to most uh-huh. people. Yes, a hundred percent. There, I, I saw a, uh, oh, a hashtag or something that was like inside, like inside couple jokes or long running couple jokes. And some of them were awful, <laughs> but I was like, same. <laughs> I'm just th- like thinking about all of the running jokes that Jason and I have that I can't, <laughs> I can't repeat on on an episode of our podcast. <sighs> I think so my my most embarrassing time. thing is that Rachel and I like doing Freddie's voice, Freddie oh. the dog, uh-huh. and just like having full blown conversations in the dog's voice, which is just yeah. Ridiculous. I, I, I think that you feel embarrassed about that because you're new to the game. Um, right. But that's normal, right. Jared. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been resistant to <laughs> having this dog, loving this dog, and now I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. I, not only do we have full conversations, like, using their voice, um, we, we, they also all have their own songs. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. Will you sing one for us? No. <laughs> but I went to I went to pick up Lyra the other day, and Kevin was like, "When you get her, be sure to sing her song." And he and I have different 
songs for them. So he taught me her song. And then I, and then I, when she got in the cor- car, I took a recording of her while I was singing the song in the background and she gave zero shits. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even look over at me once. That's she, funny. <laughs> but She's yeah. like, you aren't the person that sings this, this song to this me, it, so I yeah. ignore you. <laughs> Oh, look at that car over there. <laughs> yeah. Are we only talking about intimate relationships in today's no. podcast? I, intimate, really, I just... Well, do you I mean just say intimate? intimate in I just want to say way. <laughs> By intimate, do you mean romantic? Because I feel like I have intimate relationships with all of you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's a good way to, to put it. Yeah, I guess there's some distinctions probably. I think we're talking about whatever we want to talk about. Whatever we end up talking about is what we're talking about. True. <laughs> That's kind of how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> we start with a topic and then just... A topic. And the topic is relationships. <laughs> so it's not well-defined. No. True. <laughs> this, this came up because Erica just got married and Meg just got engaged. And so we thought it would be fun because we all have different like relationship statuses Uh as far as how long we have been in them. Yeah, true. It's fun. I'm so excited that Meg's engaged. Thanks, you too. If we focus on it for a long time, she'll start to get embarrassed. I think it's already happening. Uh It's really not. Oh, well, you just said, thanks, me too. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you gave zero shits. <laughs> no, no, like what, I mean, I'm really excited. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, great. Really... <laughs> okay, great, great. I'm very excited. Maybe I am, maybe I am failing a little. Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't perceive it that way, but now that we're focusing on it. You're starting to get hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, Jared made me turn my air conditioner off, so that doesn't help. Oh, fair. (laughs) (laughs) Too much background noise. Mm -hmm. I feel like a good place to start would just be like Kristen redoing Erica's ceremony. Holy shit, Kristen. Because I basically, you know, it basically defined like a really healthy relationship. That covers it. You really got it. And you really got it good. (laughs) Let me just tell Uh you. In the first two sentences I was looking back at you crying. (laughs) I know which is why I couldn't make eye contact with you. I was like turn around Erica. (laughs) There's a reason to have you facing the the audience at this part. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's interesting that like weddings are typically when we redefine relationships specifically romantic relationships and And like while, you know, while I'm sitting in in the audience with my wife, Rachel, it's like, I always hate saying my wife. (laughs) I love it. I just think it's so It's weird. Um, My partner, Rachel. And, um, you know, it's like reaffirming, I think, for people who choose to be in monogamous relationships or or any type of relationship. Yeah. it's almost like re-upping, you know, like your own commitment to, to someone, um, or at least reminding yourself. Yeah, it's a really good reminder. 
for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. I know that Presley and I were totally in our lovey feels during and after the ceremony too. Like, oh my God, that was so sweet. You know, can't mm -hmm. wait for that to be us. Yeah, so. I think I think it's interesting too because Jason and I, um, we wrote our vows together. Not like we wrote them the same, but we did like we did the writing process together because we were both struggling with like, well, I don't want to make promises that like I'm not already doing because I'm not going to like, we've been together. We've bought a house. Like I don't really anticipate a lot of changes happening um, behaviorally in our marriage. Um, so like, what are we doing that's working well and how can we like recommit to those things? Um, and I think that even since the ceremony, and I don't know if it's like a lack of just like wedding stress in the pandemic, <clears throat> or or what but I think Jason and I are both like communicating really well and just like we're not like great emotionally right now and as individuals um and we're able to like acknowledge that without bickering and yeah it's just been it's just been like a huge relief and I think it's been really inspiring to say our vows and remember them now mm -hmm. um yeah it's a cool process yeah, I do think the process of like, I mean, I hated preparing for a wedding emotionally because I was terrified of the vulnerability that I would have to experience. Um, but like going through the process of, you know, essentially negotiating the terms of your relationship and, and hopefully not for the first time. Um, yeah, we had definitely had conversations about, you know, what was important to us, but that process of communicating really transparently, I think is a foundation of a healthy relationship, whether it's with a partner or a friend. Mm -hmm. it, it's an interesting balance to write ceremonies um, because you don't want to be all sunshine and rainbows and you certainly don't want to be all like doom and gloom because <laughs> that would suck. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I try really hard to be, like, I, I think transparent is a good word. Transparent in the writing of it. Like, there are things that are going to suck. Like, there are times that you're going to fight. You're going to have to work at it. And it's also, you also have this partner that you're choosing to have that has your back, hopefully, and that shows up and talks through things. Mm -hmm. um, but it's an interesting it's an interesting balance to strike. Yeah, it's like, it's like, how do you capture what is actually realistic um, in life without, without leaning too heavily, you know, on one end of the spectrum or the other? Yeah. Um, one of the things that, well, I mean, three of us have therapy clients or therapy is part of our, our work. And um, one thing I've noticed as I've like become like I'm, I'm new to, to providing therapy, so it's been a lot of learning along the way. But um, having conversations with, with folks, it's like relationships are oftentimes at the core of their struggles. Mm -hmm. um, and having these conversations about their relationships actually, ha I think, has a positive impact on my own relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm revisiting these kind of concepts and, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I'm giving some feedback to this person about their relationships, I should probably consider uh, my own. Right. Yeah. 
what what I feel that deeply. Yeah. What what do you what experiences have you had working with people who experience challenges in relationships? I before we go much further, I think it would be helpful if we all sort of talked about where our relationships like Erica. When did you and Jason meet? Like, oh. how long have you been together? And sure. Um, Jason and I met in 2014 when I started volunteering at headquarters because he was also a volunteer at headquarters um, from the training group before mine. Um, and so we were friends for like two years. And in 2016, right after we graduated college, um, we started dating. And then six months later, I moved to Australia. So that was a that was a time in our relationship that we were sort of like, okay, this is going to be make or break. Um, but ultimately we chose to be together and, um, we got engaged in February of 2018. Holy crap. Um, and so we were engaged for a long time. We were supposed to get married in May of this year then the pandemic happened. So we had to replan our wedding and we just got married uh, this month. A wonderful HQ. It is, marriage it is story. HQ love story. Yeah. Sweet. Um, I'll go next. I, um, uh, let's see, Rachel and I met each other when we were eight and nine years old. Wow. And we, uh, we swam on the pale piranhas swim league. And then um, she and I were friends. We, we lived in neighboring towns, um, but she and I were friends throughout the summers on, on swim team. And then we started dating in college my sophomore year. And so I guess that was in 2012. And then we dated during college and then Rachel moved to Chicago to go to grad school, which was terrible. Um, and I don't recommend long distance for anyone. Uh, and, but and, it's, and possible. it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, I, I always say both. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. And then after two years in Chicago, actually, we got engaged while she was still in Chicago towards the end of her um, two years there. And then she came back and started working as a social worker here in the Kansas City area. And we got married in June of 2017. Well done. Yeah. I forget, June and July, they throw me off. And so we've been married for three years now. Meg? I don't know why your marriage and relationship with Rachel just makes me so goddamn weepy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful. They're darling and yeah because it's precious mm -hmm. it is precious we have a precious moments figuring of us on our shelf i went to the precious moments um museum like last fall with my family and it was the most bizarre experience of all of our <laughs> lives <laughs> but i also highly recommend it's probably one of the hardest times i've ever laughed anyway sorry how about you and Presley, since you're already talking? Um, Presley and I met, I think in 2017, 2017. Um, 
actually it was at the end of 2016, sorry. We worked together um, at Massage Envy and I immediately knew that I loved her <laughs> um, for a really long time. I remember like calling my sisters and being like, I am sick over this girl. I don't know what's happening. Um, to give context, I was with a man. I'd never been with a woman before, so I was very confused, all of these things. Um, and finally, we started hanging out as friends and a lot of feelings developed and um, we decided to be together in whatever that summer was, summer of 17. Um, that timeline feels so weird to me, but anyway. Um, so we dated while I was still in the closet for about a year, then I came out and then we moved in together and then we got engaged, um, two years after being together. So, oh wait, three. Oh my gosh. On our third anniversary. Third anniversary. Whoa. Time is so crazy. Yeah. So we got engaged in June of this summer and have no um, idea when we'll get married because of the pandemic, but it'll happen. We said if Trump gets reelected that we will just get married right away, just in case, but um, hopefully that's not the case. Yeah. It's like a park wedding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Kevin and I met uh, in Upper Michigan working at a group home together. I was already working there and he started after I did. So we met in 2001 um, and then we started dating on and off kind of in 2002. Um, so like despite some of the on and off stuff, um, March was 18 years for us. Um, we moved from Michigan to Kansas in 2000, the summer of 2003. Um, and he pretty much hadn't been anywhere. Uh, he lived with, it, his mom went and got a bone marrow transplant in a hospital in Detroit and he went with her as her caregiver um, for like nine months, almost a year. But other than that, he had lived in the UP his whole life. His whole family lives in the UP. Like that was, so it was a huge leap of faith, him coming and moving. Um, we took a road trip from Michigan to New Orleans for a wedding. And then I, on our way back, stopped in Kansas. And he's like, I don't know why we have to stop in Kansas. I just know that it's just pig farms as far as the eye can see. <laughs> So inaccurate. <laughs> so we stopped it in in Lawrence, and um, he was wrong, <laughs> and um, actually really liked Lawrence. And so, yeah, when it was time to be done with our job, um, we made the decision to move back, and here we are. We bought a house uh, a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, in fact. That's crazy. Um, yeah. That is crazy. I, I feel like that was two weeks ago. I know. Eric and I bought houses almost at the exact same time. Um, we got engaged in 2010. 
Um, our wedding was supposed to be 11, 11, 11, um, because I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> um, but we ended up canceling it. Um, my grandmother got really ill and um, passed away like shortly before that. And it was just, there was that and some other stuff and it, it didn't feel like the right time. Um, it turns out there's a lot of pressure on human beings when it's wedding time. So um, we stayed engaged, but he um, proposed again, <laughs> like a couple years later, just to make sure that it stuck. And it, now we keep doing a thing where we're like, so do you want to get married this year? Um, and we're both like, yeah, let's get married this year. <laughs> and then we, we don't do anything. Um, we were talking about getting married on February 20th of this year because, you know, to 2020. But anyway, someday, I don't. <laughs> I don't well, like, like you said, like the, the wedding, I, I would have loved to have not had a wedding. And I'm so glad that I did have a wedding. It's all it's, it's so weird, like uh -huh. the pressure that people experience around weddings. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it's something. Yeah, I think the vulnerability thing is a huge piece of it. I just love that, like, it's it's really interesting to hear you all say, like, the vulnerability part of a wedding is scary, and that's, like, that's the shit that I thrive on. I'm, like, let me be vulnerable. Let me tell all my feelings to all my people, and Jason was just, like, no, 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 no. That's me. <laughs> mm -hmm. so. I have had many a debates about what our wedding will look like, because to me, that's like the most intimate moment of my life. I love to talk about feelings and I love to hear about feelings and all of that, but I don't actually love doing that in front of a crowd, it turns out. I was, I was on cloud nine. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, this has been like a, a really difficult thing because she wants like a big party, a big wedding, and I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'd be cool just like texting our friends and family the day of, like, hey, if you can make it to this field, um, Presley and I are going to get married, so hopefully we'll see you there. If you can't make it, totally understand. No big deal. Oh my gosh. Uh. <laughs> and then I would hope that only like four people could make it. <laughs> what, uh, do we dare like, um, give relationship advice? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a slippery slope. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about this last night because I knew that we were going to do this topic and I was like, oh God, what is my relationship advice? Because relationships look so different, right? And mm -hmm. and I think part of the trap that we fall into is that we expect that this is how a relationship should look. Like somewhere along the line, we saw that everybody should um, be going on like three dates a week and they should be having this much sex and they should be doing this sort of intimate interaction and be this affectionate and it it kills relationships like the idea if my partner really loved me they would know what i wanted oh god no um, each other's minds y'all yeah like that's that jared you asked earlier what like what thing that we run into therapy when talking to clients about relationships that's a huge one like mm -hmm. somewhere along the way somebody told us Hollywood I don't know I don't want to blame it on Hollywood but somebody told us that if if that if your partner loves you they should know what you need when you need it and they should know how to give it to you 
And sometimes being like, we aren't mind readers. We have to ask for what we need. And we also have to trust that the other person will say yes or no, I can give you that. Mm -hmm. And then everyone has to agree to be okay if the answer is no, I can't give you that right now. Mm -hmm. um, which is hard as hell to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I, so I think the relationship advice thing is a slippery slope because every relationship is different. And, you know, some people live in their relationship for 50 years because they slept in like two single beds in the same room, <laughs> you know, or they slept in separate rooms. Mm -hmm. um, it, yeah. My yeah. best relationship advice is to get your own blanket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think like the thing I can, I, I don't feel comfortable giving advice, but I can tell you what I value most and what I like, what I think is most important to my relationship, which is that like when you were talking about um, being able to ask for what you need in my mind, I was like, yeah, but you have to know what you need. So like being able to do your own work and really understand your own emotional like tendencies and, and where those come from, I think is one of the most important things in my relationship. Um, because I am a traumatized bitch, you know, like that's how that is. <laughs> and I like have to understand my own triggers or at least try to, um, and in order to be able to communicate what I need and how I need things to happen. Um, and I know, I think like when Jason and I first started dating, there were a lot of things that I didn't understand about myself and my own needs. Um, and so it did cause a lot of like just miscommunication and misunderstanding in our relationship in the beginning. And I, I don't, I'm sure he would say the same about himself. I think that he's gained a lot of insight since we've been together and uh, yeah, it's, it makes a huge difference for us. I think that, I think that if we all went into relationships sort of with the belief that we're all traumatized bitches, <laughs> like that would do a lot of good for everyone. Mm -hmm. Like um, one of the best like like um, ideas around being in a relationship and kind of any relationship is that um, your like your history creates sort of holes, especially like childhood trauma and stuff. And the person that you find should help you be able to fill those holes and also be able to like step back while you do your own work to fill the ones that you have to do on your own. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, and, and just be supportive, like, Hey, shovel that dirt. <laughs> you go good work <laughs> <laughs> versus trying to take over and do it for you mm -hmm. or always being like there. But yeah, we're all traumatized, man, mm -hmm. <laughs> in different ways for different reasons. Navigating that is, the relationship part right i mean and, and we have to remember too that like the number one thing that trauma impacts is our relational experience exactly <laughs> always yeah yeah the one of the things like the at camp kita that is often talked about like because you know these are kids who have lost uh, most of them have lost their dad to suicide many of them have lost other close family members loved ones etc um but i like it a phrase that um, one of the clinicians uses and it's um, re relationships heal relational wounds. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that I think that kind of captures, captures what we're talking about. And um, 
you ha you have to have like models of healthy relationships and you have to feel what that is like in order to i think step into a relation like a, a partnership with someone um and ultimately feel like it's healthy I think it's funny that um, it, it's a sign of a good headquarters volunteer that none of us want to give advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I even think a lot about like, like my relationship with Meg and were you just <laughs> about to say that? No, but go yeah. ahead. <laughs> um, and just thinking about how like we've been together for, and by together, I mean best friends for 15 years and we've had our own shit. Like we've had to really understand ourselves in order to be like, Hey, I'm not getting enough from you or, Oh, I need some space from you. Or, you know, like, Oh, I'm really struggling or, or you're really struggling. And that's why you're not able to like give me as much as I need right now in my own struggle. And just like the way that we've had to like navigate that has been solely through doing our own work and also being able to be transparent with each other when things aren't going well or when they are. Um, and I just think that's really beautiful too of friendships and, and it, so, so I think all of these things, they don't just, they don't just apply to romantic relationships um, or romantic partnerships. Yeah. Also, I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to communicate this well, but I think that a lot of what I've learned about communicating in my relationship has been learned through um, other healthy relationships that I have, like my friendship with you or my friendship with all of you, really. Um, my relationship with my sisters, mm -hmm. you know, those, these community, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the communication skills? Yeah, I guess. Um, really translate into my relationship and like how I want to show up as a partner. Um, because it, that, like the way that my relationship started out was on the basis of friendship. And so like, that's, I always want to honor that first because that's what brought us together. And so being able to like take skills and, and communications from my friendships has been really helpful in my relationship. And also just like being able to find humor. This isn't advice. This is just something I value in my relationship. But, um, when Presley and I, get in a fight it always ends in us laughing at each other and that was something that I like really felt like it was lacking in past relationships is like arguments don't feel detrimental to our relationship now um, whereas in the past and that I think is a lot of the work that I did on myself um, but when when you can end laughing I don't know it it really changed um the game for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I, I relate so much to the idea of developing a sense of individuality, um, which, you know, as much as I hated the period of long distance in my relationship with Rachel, that was two years of just like, well, Jared, you're on your own, <laughs> you know, you better, you better um, work on your own shit. And I think Rachel felt the same way. Like, she was very much stepping into, a, you know, a new community, she was largely on her own and like gaining those, you know, really independent living skills, like learn how to be a human on your own and then bring those strengths, I think, to a relationship. Wow, Meg, that is beautiful. 
Meg like just pulled out a fan, <laughs> a huge fan. <laughs> what kind of fan is that called? I don't know. Extra? It's called an extra fan. <laughs> I use it to dry the like my face products after I wash my face and stuff. <laughs> Sorry to derail you, Jared. No, yeah. that was that was perfect. <laughs> hey, early on in our in our relationship, um, Kevin and I had this talk, um, which is sort of violating the talk rules, um, but it it has been you know seventeen years, so it's fine. Um, but we had this conversation where he was kind of like, "I'm not cool with sharing like any part of our relationship, like." I'm not cool with running to other people and talking about like the shitty things or all of that. And I was initially kind of like, well, uh, who am I going to vent to? Like, how am I going to do it? And honestly, it's been, I think a really good part of our, of our relationship is that the shit that happens, we have to work out between ourselves that we're not pulling in other people as much as possible. Um, that we're not spending all of our time like bitching about the other person like when it's hard we're not spending all of our time bitching about the other person to somebody else we're just dealing with it in the moment however we can and sometimes that's healthy and mm -hmm. sometimes it's not but mm -hmm. it is what it is you know um well i think that when you're like you could be easily sort of um manipulate is not the right word but that's the only word that i can access right now um when you're go constantly going to other sources for support in that, you can, I don't know, sort of be manipulated. Like, like, like influenced. Thank you, influenced, yeah. Um, before really being able to like evaluate your own perspective. And so mm -hmm. I, I can see why that would be helpful. And I can think about times where like, like we've gone to each other, but I'll speak for myself. Like you've come to me about past relationships and I and I would just feel like so protective of you that I'd be like nope not okay nope this is over <laughs> and it's like that's totally about me and my like protection over Meg and not actually about her experience and her relationships I um don't remember what I was gonna say so sorry I know no 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 it's all right um it was, it was probably related to the idea that, um, look at me like inferring what you were thinking. Um, it was probably related to the idea that there's, there is some level of respect that you're showing your partner when you are going to them with the concerns or the challenges or the celebrations that you have and like keeping that like intimacy close. Um, and within that relationship, it can be, a, yeah, it can be a huge foundation of respect Mm-hmm. Uh, the other piece too and again kind of talking about the way that I talk about relationships with clients is the idea that um, if you are and this applies to so many things but definitely within relationships that a lot of times if you get mad at someone anyone that you're in a relationship with um, you start seeing through that lens, right? And so then your brain just picks out all of the negative things. Like, I'm mad today, and so this irritates me. Oh, and this irritates me, and this irritates me, and this irritates me. Mm -hmm. And it stops looking for the appreciation and the positivity. Um, and so if you're doing that 
like if you're taking that to other people then your brain is looking for that kind of <laughs> that negativity um or at least the 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 issues mm-hmm. and if you can take time um to look for the things that you appreciate like on the daily then your brain starts moving in that direction that isn't to say that it isn't irritating when the cap is off the toothpaste for instance um or or you know the little things but it's rarely about that at the Mm -hmm. end of the day um so yeah yeah i think having gratitude in relationships is huge um and being able to like consistently recognize that i think it's something that's like important to me um because i you know have a huge and i want to talk about this more too um but just like i have a huge capacity for emotion and um not everyone does and i can understand that now and when people don't meet my capacity i know that it's not necessarily about how they actually feel towards me it's just about capacity um but I think it's really important to me to express my gratitude for Jason so that I don't ever feel like he doesn't know um, or he's not because sometimes, you know, I'm a pain in the ass and like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, I, I, I need to know that this, that this relationship is important and I need us to like reflect on that on a regular basis because that's where my capacity lies. Um, And so I think one thing that like helped me in that moment or or in that realm is like moving across the world. And um, once I did that, I had, well, before I did that, I had really no concept of like a connection to home. Um, I just, I felt really trapped and and scared. Um, And when I moved to Australia, I was like, oh shit, like I have a home in Lawrence with Jason and like I, I need my family and I need my people. And so ever since I've come home, um, I literally am not shitting you. I wake up every day and I'm like, thank God I'm here. Like, well, not thank God, but you know what I mean? Like what a relief that I'm here. (laughs) Um, What a relief that I'm home. What a relief that I have this person in my life and that I get to be close to my nieces and get to live in this town that I love and be a part of HQ, which is my other home. It's just like, it's just a lot, I don't know. But that really changed the game for me was moving and coming back. I, I, I'm still stuck on this idea of like, um, of working your shit out with your partner as opposed to working it out with, you know, people outside of your relationship. And I think I I guess one of the things that I appreciate about many of the relationships that I have with like other cis men is that, um, well, I I guess I'm fortunate that, that many of them have like strong, healthy relationships and we don't fall into a pattern of like complaining about our partners, which I think is like a stereotype that maybe I grew up understanding like that you, you get together with your, your friends or your people and there's this tone of like, you know, you would ball and chain. Yeah. The, and, and yeah. like, I hate that so much. And I guess I'm fortunate, like Jason's a prime example of someone who I think upholds that like level of um, like respect for your relationship, Erica. And so never once has it like fallen into this pattern of like complain. Um, which, which again, like models, like those things for, for me and my relationship. So. Mm -hmm. 
it's, yeah. I think it's a lot about recognizing patterns of communication that are unhealthy or unhelpful and don't serve you. Um, and when you see it in practice, it, it helps a lot. I have something um, that's like sort of on the contrary to that. Um, there was a period of time where my mental health was really, really, really out of whack. And I was putting really unrealistic expectations on Presley. Um, and so I found that I needed to reach out for support <laughs> during that time um, to talk about issues in my relationships so that I wasn't projecting um, these like really unhealthy and untrue perceptions that I had about my relationships. So during that time, like Kristen and Erica and my sisters were a really good support. Um, and it, and it was the healthier way for me to cope with my um, issues in my relationship because they weren't actually issues in my relationship. They were um, issues with my mental health. And so, you know, I think that there's a balance that, that you have to find when reaching I, out. I think that that's a huge, that that's a good point because that's a huge difference, right? It's yeah. one thing to be able to go and say, I am struggling um, and here's why and it is affecting my relationship but ultimately it comes down to how like how you're doing how you're handling things like your own mental health versus your own perceptions within your relationship because that's a thing right mm -hmm. and yeah and so yeah I think that other people can be helpful in sorting stuff out so that you're not constantly in it yeah but but, but I do think that that's a huge difference between I have work to do versus uh -huh. they're dumb and they're doing dumb stuff well, yeah, and true. they suck, you know, like <laughs> that's a big, and, and that, that's kind of where the line is. Right. Right. And one thing that I really appreciate too about our, our friend group um, is that like when we get together, we do talk about our relation. We check in about our relationships and how everyone is doing those relationships. Um, and sometimes it can be really helpful because I, I, I appreciate the level, level of vulnerability in our friend group. And um, I think it can be really helpful to hear that, like, yeah, people bicker, like to hear if Jared and Rachel bicker or, you know, Aaron and Cam bicker, whoever, it, like, that's so reassuring to me because it's like, okay, this is normal. So there's like a, there's like a level of normalization that I think can be really helpful um, and, but I, but I also think that that is all, that is still different from being like, oh, they are a pain in the ass and I don't like <laughs> talking shit. Um, yeah. My, my oldest, my next brother. So my oldest of the siblings, um, is six years younger than me. And right after Kevin and I canceled the wedding, um, things were tough. But I remember being in the car with my brother on Christmas Eve um, and having this conversation that was more in depth than this, but it ultimately was, I think you're working too hard, him saying that to me. I think rela you're, like relationships are supposed to be easier than this, like long lasting relationships are supposed to be easier than this. And I was like, no, <laughs> I, I feel like you haven't been, like that isn't, you know, you don't know. <laughs> Um, and then we fast forward to a year later and we're in the car on Christmas Eve again, because we have a tradition of going shopping on Christmas Eve. Um, and the conversation was, oops, 
I was wrong. Relationships are really hard. That's <laughs> like, yeah. Like, there's a, yeah. When you're in a relationship that feels like it is a, a long lasting relationship, um, they take work. Mm-hmm. You know, there's levels of hard, I think. I and agree. there's levels of work, but yeah. they take work. Yeah, I think like, when we talk about that, I think it's so important to talk about like that relationships don't just like be like you have to actively like nurture them. Um, but, but like when we talk about relationships being hard in, in my experience, I guess like it shouldn't necessarily, hard doesn't mean necessarily that you have to like constantly be working on how to trust this person that you're with. Like right. that might already be, there. that should probably already be there. <laughs> um, you know, and I get that like people make mistakes and that we have to figure out, you know, we have to make choices to work through that or not. But, um, you know, the, the foundational stuff, it's kind of just there or it's not in my experience, I'm not trying to like project onto anybody else. Um, but that doesn't mean that like Jason and I don't have to work at making sure that we're both doing okay and feeling satisfied in our relationship. But, but so, so I guess my point is like, we do have to do those things, but I also have never questioned my trust in him. And that's a drastically different experience from my past relationships. Which is why, which is exactly why giving relationship advice is a slippery slope (laughs) because everybody shows up differently for their relationships. Right. Like hard is relative, right? Like um, trust is also not an issue in our relationship, but there are other things that are issues for us that aren't issues for other people and vice versa. Totally. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, we've said some, we've said some interesting and like sometimes contradictory things in this Mm -hmm. like particular episode, but that's because relationships are so different. So complex. And so complex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're cool. (laughs) What's it like to talk with folks who are experiencing relationship challenges, whether whether that's in your your therapy practices or whether that's from experiences on the phones. I've I've personally find it challenging. Yeah, it can be really challenging, and I think it's it's specifically for the reason that Kristen is talking about um, because they're so complex and so different depending on who is a part of that relationship. Um, and so I really have to work to keep my judgments out of. Uh, my conversation with clients about uh-huh. relationships. Um, I can make, I feel comfortable making recommendations about communication. I feel like that's, that's really the only um, like advice that I would give is like, well, maybe it would be, you know, maybe you could consider talking to your partner about this specific thing. And we can talk about how you might bring that up um, in a way that feels safe to you. Um, but that's, that's really as far as I'll go. Um, And I think just like normalizing, because I I mean, I've worked with clients who have like experienced their partner, like cheating on them and they have no, you know, reaction really to that. Like, it's like, yeah, I know it was a mistake. (laughs) I'm like, but where are your feelings? (laughs) And, and, and like, we've had to talk through like, yeah, the, our, our society really puts, um, values and expectations on how we respond to different things in relationships and sometimes that's just not how it goes for some people and um that's not for me to judge um 
Yeah, and then I also, I'll stop talking, but another thing that I find really interesting, I guess not interesting, but I, I end up having these conversations a lot in count in my therapy sessions is I talk with a lot of people who are in um, queer relationships or even polyamorous relationships. Um, and so talking about like relationship systems and polyamory systems is really interesting to me and something that comes up a lot in our, in my sessions with folks. Yeah, I think we're, we're, you know, the four of us speak from a very particular brand of relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something I think I've learned in talking with folks on the phones is that um, relationships take on so many different forms. Um, romantic relationships take on so many different forms. And people place value. Um, you know, there's certainly some themes in, in the, the relationships that people uphold and have a lot of value in, but, but it can look so different, you know. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that, well, I talk about familial relationships a lot yeah. um, and having boundaries and it being okay to have boundaries Ooh. and what those boundaries look like and how effing hard it is to have boundaries within your family relationships, but how important it is, what it means to be an adult and not have to like live under your the expectation of your whoever raised you um so i have those conversations a lot um the other conversation i have whether it's with couples or with individuals is <clears throat> this idea that like that they kind of make an agreement um that they can take each other at face value um and that like, I'm going to tell you what I need, or I'm going to answer honestly, and you can believe that that's what's happening. And so if I don't do that, and you respond like I have done that, then that's on me. And if I do do that, and you respond like I haven't done that, then that's on you. And we'll talk it out and we'll work it out. But if we can start from a place of when you ask me if I'm okay, and I say, I'm fine, then everyone's just going to believe it. Mm -hmm. or or it's my obligation to say I'm not fine but I can't talk about it right now or I need some time before I can talk about it or like whatever that looks like but if everybody can show up just trying to answer at face value and then trusting that that's happening um, then that goes a long way and I think that falls under the communication umbrella that you were talking about um, but the, yeah, I, I heard you making noises, Erica. I spend a lot of time in my, like talking on the phone and with just like people on the street mm -hmm. or in sessions or whatever about like boundary setting. Man, I mean, yes. <laughs> I just like, I feel like we as a culture don't talk about that enough. I mean, there's so many reasons for that. It's a whole other soapbox I could stand on. I won't, but, um, but I, but to learn about boundaries and to learn that you only have the responsibility to like present yourself honestly and, and what people feel about that is not your responsibility. Um, obviously don't be a, what do we call it? Like a dick wagon. What do you call it? <laughs> dick wagon. Yeah. Dick wagon. Don't be a dick wagon, but like. Trademark um, Jared Otten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, 
in general, like if, if you don't, you know, like, I mean, I think that my mom would be okay with me sharing this, but there was a point in our relationship where I had to work for years in therapy about like getting the courage to set a boundary with her about like telling me about her relationship with my dad. Um, and like I had to, it was so painful for me to say like, mom, I can't be your person around this. Um, and she respected that immediately. Right. Like, and I just didn't think that she would. Um, but it has changed our relationship so much for the better because it, it doesn't, it does, it's not a burden that I'm carrying anymore, you know? And so those familial boundaries are just huge. I, I can't, I can't say enough about those and to, to feel empowered to like, say like this this is my line don't cross it and when somebody does you can you can call that out i think that's just so powerful or peace out too mm -hmm. yeah or i i had a um therapist r.i.p lee R. P. um who uh we worked on boundaries that's pretty much all we worked on <laughs> um but she said and i because my memory is so terrible but it was something like um when you set a boundary um, initially someone like people who don't respect that boundary will, um, argue, argue with you about that boundary. Then they'll try to bargain with you mm -hmm. and then they'll either accept it or they'll leave. Mm -hmm. And most of the time they end up accepting it, but that, but it takes work on both ends. Yeah. Because you have to hold firm on that boundary. You can't, you can't be willing to negotiate that boundary. Right. One of my um, like most boundary stories is from my parents um, having a conversation with my paternal grandfather when I, either while my mom was pregnant or when I was very little, that was like, listen, you say things that are very inappropriate and racist and I need you to not do that and so you do you like whatever but around around the grandkid it's that can never happen and so the option is see grandkid no racism don't see grandkid racism mm -hmm. and I had zero idea growing up that my grandfather was like as racist as the stories that they have told I I had no idea because that was a boundary that they like clearly made and that he adhered to, like he heard it and stuck to it. And when I finally heard that story, I was like, what? No. <laughs> and then they've told me some of the stories and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, that like, that was such a good example that I'm really thankful for um, because I liked knowing him. <laughs> And I liked knowing him without all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, ah, oh, man, I feel like I'm, like, have so many thoughts about family relationships now. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I, that I have found really useful, just in my own experience, this is not advice by any means. Um, we all have our, our lines. Um, but when you have a relationship with a family member, that's difficult. Um, I had to make a choice about what I was willing to tolerate um, in order to keep this relationship um, in my life. And 
you know, you have to really decide like how important is this person to you? And so being able to set boundaries around um, how often will I see this person? How often will I talk to this person? What are the things like, how can I lead the conversation so that we don't get into a conversation that feels hurtful? Um, and the, by doing that, um, it has, it has changed my entire relationship with, um, particularly with my dad. Um, and, and I noticed that like, he's even more open now to things that like I've been able by, by taking space from some of these conversations, um, when they have, when we have broached those topics, he's a little bit more open. And that's like, so it's just one of those things where like, I, I just had to learn, um, here are the things that I get from this relationship that fill me up and I want those things and I will accept those things and I will have to like really kind of disregard the rest. Um, and that's obviously a personal choice that everyone has to decide on their own and what those lines are, but that's been really um, cool for me. I, I think you're kind of talking about like the idea of radical acceptance, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I say this kind of a lot in, in the room like everybody is doing the best that they can with what they have in that moment mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that what they did was okay <laughs> it doesn't mean that their behavior was acceptable that your childhood was acceptable that that but we can hold both of those things true and we can also sometimes recognize that they may not have the capacity to change you mm -hmm. may be asking to ride on the yacht when all there is is a rowboat right like and so so then what is your decision like right. do i need this relationship in my life and so am, am i just going to radically accept the things that i can't change mm -hmm. understanding that it isn't about me right do i distance myself or do i just like stop um because there are some things that you are not going to be able to talk out of people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is a but, hard lesson. But the, the most powerful thing that you said, in my opinion, Kristen, is that like learning that it's not about you. Like the way that they behave isn't, isn't about, isn't usually about you. <laughs> um, it's usually about their own shit. My sister always says, it's not your business how they respond to the boundary or it's not your business to take care of them after you set the boundary. And that is always a helpful reminder to me. A hard one though, right? Like, oh yeah. But it feels like my business. I set the boundary. Like, right. should I be dealing with the aftermath yeah. of it? Yeah. Especially as like a, a people pleaser, you know, it's a really hard, hard lesson to learn. I think one of the things that is, is funny about like when we teach assertiveness skills, you know, we talk about setting boundaries and we talk about um, setting, like enforcing policies. And we always tell people never apologize for setting a boundary. That's not, that's not something that you do. You know, you, you don't have to say, I'm sorry, you're being really mean and I need to end the phone call. <laughs> you just mitigate, it negates it. It does, but it's, it's much easier to tell people that than to actually put it into practice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like the apologizing thing. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I feel like so much like, we have been, we have talked about anxiety and other episodes and stuff, but when I think about like, especially setting boundaries with parental figures or um, 
boomers or <laughs> the people in our life. I think that there is so much stuff that happens, like things that I get told, this is what's happening in my relationship with my blah, 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 you know, with this family member. Um, and I read that so much of the time as anxiety, mm-hmm. but we didn't start calling it anxiety until much later. And so the people in our lives don't always see it as anxious behavior and then want you to mitigate that for them through whatever, like that may be texting every time, like you go somewhere and leave somewhere, for instance, Mm -hmm. right? Even though you're 30, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to text you when I do this (laughs) and when I come back or, or checking in constantly and all of that stuff. But that's all about anxiety. I think that it's been around for a really long time and we're just now naming it and also figuring out how to, that that's our own shit that we have to handle. Yeah. I'm thinking about like phone calls and therapy sessions. So talking to people about relationships and often what I hear is like, I just feel like I'm too much or I'm asking for too much or like I have, I'm too sensitive, like all of those, you know, all those things. Um, And something that like I will say over and over again to a person is like, you have a, everyone has their own capacity to experience emotion. Sometimes people feel things differently and more deeply than others. And that doesn't make you wrong or bad. And it also doesn't make them wrong or bad. Um, It's just about capacity and and what is possible. Um, And I think that there is, you know, room to grow in capacity. But I think that like, that was like a breakthrough that I've had and that I get to like share with other people over and over again until they start to believe that too of like it's not that you're asking for too much it's that you have a different level of emotional like connection and not everybody has that and so we have to figure out how to navigate um, relationships that have different where the individuals in that relationship have different capacities without making each other bad or wrong find yourself somebody who can validate Mm -hmm. (laughs) I say that a lot Mm -hmm. sorry Jared I interrupted well it was along the same lines of like emotional intelligence is not some like some people (laughs) have those skills um, and come to them naturally but it's also something that you cultivate by by doing your mm-hmm. your own work and talking about things like what we're talking about i think is is a path towards building up your emotional capacity and building up your emotional intelligence and um just feeling more prepared and comfortable in mm-hmm. relationships the point is if you're a therapist and somebody tells you that um they feel like they're too much don't tell them that they're going to be alone for the rest of their lives because that because they are so different from everybody else. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It was a terrible experience to have a therapist tell me that when I was twenty. <laughs> Wait, what? Or, sorry, I was nineteen when I when somebody told That's me that. That's not better, but yeah. Um, I didn't know someone told you that. Yeah, I was a therapist in Edwardsville uh, when I first moved back from Fort Scott and. I was just like crying because I felt like nobody could understand my emotions and that my emotions were way bigger than most people's, especially men um, and, or men and boys. And she was like, yeah, that's actually true. And you should probably get used to it because you're, you're going to feel lonely. I was like, what? (laughs) Never coming back to you. And then I met Janie and she saved my life. So there's that. (laughs) 
do you ever like do you ever find yourself with your like um between the phone counseling and like your clinical msw um really wanting to call out the names of some really terrible therapists all the time boy do i <laughs> just like making a list oh yeah this was my experience with this person this was my experience with this person mm -hmm. this was so-and-so's experience with this person yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it happens in my head all the time um i'm not I, that isn't to say of course that i'm perfect or no. the best or anything like that but stuff like that comes up and you just want to like blast them <laughs> like, that's not okay yeah yeah mm -mm -mm. um I, i'm glad that we've spent most of the time talking about like healthy relationships and you know the things that we value in our partners but what about when relationships end oh shit because one thing that i think comforts me is the idea that every relationship will end at some point. Oh, that's comforting, Jared. Excuse me. I yeah. beg your pardon. Every relationship ends. And, you know. It, in some cases, it may be because that person dies. Is that yeah, that exactly. doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> I don't know. It, I think it's kind of nice. <laughs> I think it's kind of nice. <laughs> I wish that our loyal listeners could see <laughs> the faces, especially of Erica and Meg. Right now, oh, oh, poor Jared. I don't like that. Oh, that was funny to me. Yeah. Have you ever heard the song "If We Were Vampires" by Jason Isbell? No. Okay. Well, if you don't want to cry, don't listen to it. But it's essentially about what Jared's talking about, and I can't handle it. And it's still one of my favorite songs, but still, I can't handle it. Well, yeah, that's the sad trope of the vampire who lives forever, right? Like he loses all of his relationships through death well no that's not what the song's about the song is about well if we were vampires and death was a joke uh essentially we wouldn't feel as close as we do but then the lyrics are um it's knowing that this can't go on forever one of us one of us will have to spend some days alone Maybe we'll get 40 years together, but one day you'll be gone or one day I'll be gone. And I can't. The, the fact that you just quoted those lyrics was incredible to me. I, it's, it's my number one on repeat song on Spotify. So, because I'm a sad girl. <laughs> we know. And we love that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I feel like that's a whole other, I mean, we kind of have covered some of this, uh, like relationships ending in our grief, one of our grief episodes. But, you know, like that takes time to recover from. That's all I can say about that. That's a big, that's a big, that's a big sad. I can also say that um, sometimes you grieve the end of a relationship before it actually ends. And then when it ends, you just feel really free. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's, it's, <laughs> It's that example um, that I give in training about how people like experience events differently. And sometimes people have uh, divorce parties and sometimes people are absolutely demolished by their divorce and both of them are valid and mm -hmm. both of them are okay. But that same event 
create can create a different experience for people mm -hmm. so yeah sometimes people feel relief <laughs> it's called coping ahead and it's a skill, yeah. it is a skill. <laughs> wait did you just make that up no that's the thing i've never heard this well i'm glad that i can say something that you've never heard of but that honestly happens pretty frequently yeah 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 mostly that... in regards to pop culture references <laughs> oh for Is you, Erica. Oh, I thought you were saying the experience of coping ahead happens pretty frequently, especially when thinking about pop culture references, and I felt very confused. Are which you talking now? Yes, which okay. makes based on what you just said, and which is that I don't know shit about pop culture. <laughs> uh, all relationships end. Jared, God. In this podcast could end this episode is about to end well i was i don't like change <laughs> so maybe that needs to be change. um another episode where we talk about how we all cope with change Ooh. which um yeah i don't like it yeah same i don't either erica has tantrums i have tantrums erica has tantrums i avoid yeah, I have tantrums when Kristen walks out of the room. At yeah. Where are you going? Why are you leaving? I'm going to work. I'm going to my office. Oh. I have to work, you guys. I have to do something. I have this is why we're all more productive working from home. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I guess this podcast can end now on this note. Thanks a lot, Jared. I mean, someone had wrapped, to wrapped it up in a tidy little box and put a bow on it. I, I think so that we can that we could like strength spin that and say that sometimes endings can be really beautiful because they lead to something um, that is even more amazing and delightful. I don't know. Hope springs eternal. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like I like the strengths perspective on that. Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.